Number four, you need to develop a best case, likely case, and worst case plan and come up with dates for implementing. I mean, you have to have this plan. I am so proud of what Delta Airlines has done today. I mean, they have built a plan. They're going to mothball about 300 airplanes and reduce their schedule up to 40% because they know they have to be ready. Episode 228, Leading in a Time of Crisis. You're listening to The Game Changers with Jason Jennings. Leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention. Now, here's worldwide best-selling author and speaker, Jason Jennings, and your host, Dale Dixon. With more than 3 million listens and downloads and growing every episode, this is The Game Changers with Jason Jennings, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and USA Today best-selling author of eight books on leadership, growth, innovation, speed, and reinvention. And there have been a lot of things happening, Jason, as we record this in uh, mid-March of 2020 amid COVID-19 and all that's happening in our world. Yeah, We've got a and, good topic and, to talk about. Yeah, well, we do. And But but I want to ask, and, and, and you've been traveling this week. Uh, I have been. And, and tell me about that. So I made a trip to uh, Hawaii for business, uh, Oahu specifically, and it was interesting. There was a mix. So as I was in the Portland and Seattle airports, noticeably fewer people in the airports. The flights to Hawaii um, were on the light side, a number of empty seats. The flights coming back from Hawaii were full and Lots of people wearing masks. After last week's episode of The Game Changers, I kept telling myself, well, they're just reminding themselves not to touch their face because that's right. about the only thing yep. that mask will do for them. <laughs> but yep. uh, the uh, So it, you can definitely see what's going on. But while we were there, it was fascinating. We talked about, I was basically on the ground in Hawaii for 48 hours. And as we talked through all that had transpired in those 48 hours, the number of cancellations around the country, uh, the president's speech, the you know severely limiting travel in from Europe, all those things happened in that 48-hour window that we had not expected right. happen uh, while we were on the ground in Hawaii. So things are changing. And, and by the time this episode uh, is uploaded to your favorite podcast app, there's a good chance that many more things could change just by the speed of which we're living in right now. Yep. Yep. I, so, I agree. And where I'm located in Northern California, I mean, it is uh, virtually shut down for uh, virtually shut down. I had to go into San Francisco yesterday for a quick meeting and uh, uh, unbelievable. I mean, like uh, something out of the twilight zone, eerily, eerily empty store shelves, empty every place. It's uh uh, it's, it's, we've been many places, we've had many experiences, but we haven't had this one. Exactly. Now we had the Jason Jennings certification summit scheduled for March 23rd through the 25th. That was where Jason was going to basically teach a group of 50 people, everything that he's learned over his years in this business of teaching business leadership, speed, reinvention, growth. We had 50 people signed up. You made that tough decision to cancel it two weeks ago. We were just talking before we hit record. Glad you made that decision the way you did. 
But has there anything anything new transpired with the certification summit? Uh, yeah. So for those people who are not regular listeners, uh, we had about uh, 500 people say they wanted to attend. We wanted to target a group of 50. And uh, we ended up ultimately with 60. Great group of consultants and CEOs and entrepreneurs and business owners. Some really, really incredibly talented people. And coming from 17 different countries. And uh, it became painfully obvious that uh, uh, it was just not going to happen. So we made the decision to postpone it. Now, there's, there's always some good news. Uh, the, the members who are going to be attending, uh, who were going to be attending and will be attending uh, when we reschedule, uh, have stayed together in this private WhatsApp group. And, and they seem to be uh, very, very active. And I'll be a regular contributor there too. And uh, I've not heard from one person who says, when you reschedule in September or October, I, I can't come. I've, I've not heard that. In fact, just the opposite. I want to be there. But I always look for the good news. The good news is out of 60 people, there will be a few people who are not going to be able to make it. And so uh, in the next month or two, we will open up a, a waiting list on the side. And uh, again, uh, the Jennings Certification Summit was free of charge. I'm doing it as a labor of love to pay back for all I've been given. Mm. Well, we're excited for it. Uh, the right decision made. So we will look forward to getting that date, getting that date identified and out for the public. But today, our topic is so timely because we have a lot of businesses that are trying to figure out what is the next move and trying to anticipate what the financial impact is going to be from a worldwide perspective. When you look at what's been canceled just in the last few days, as far as big major events, South by Southwest, all the sporting events, we're talking billions and billions of dollars in impact. Yep. So leading in a time of crisis, our topic, kick us off. Uh, well, I want to begin with uh, with a few general observations. Uh, during my career, I have uh, I have seen the best examples and the worst examples of how companies and leaders and businesses respond. So, first of all, uh, let me tell you where the following information is coming from. Uh, it is coming from uh, my research and study into two hundred and twenty thousand companies for eight books. Uh, it is coming from having consulted hundreds of companies around the world. It, it's coming from having my own businesses. And uh, I was thinking earlier today about the first time I ever faced something in business that was so catastrophic. And uh, we've talked in earlier episodes. I always wanted to be the youngest owner of a radio station in America. So right out of school, I guess I was maybe 22. I, I didn't have any money. I come from a very modest background, but uh, uh, begged, borrowed, and pinched together everything I could and was still short at the closing, but somehow miraculous, we closed and I found myself the owner of a radio station. And, uh, and within a few days, uh, or a couple of weeks, I'm sorry, uh, there's a big university in Flagstaff, Arizona, Northern Arizona University. The professors went on strike uh, for more money. And so the university was closed. It was not opening. So 10, 15, 20,000 students were not coming back. There was a gasoline crisis. So tourism to the Grand Canyon virtually dried up. And the federal government cut beneficiary payments to the Native Americans on the reservations. I mean, by a large amount. This was my baptism by fire. I, um, I, I, uh, I remember I, I owned the radio station, but I was living in a one room apartment above a bar downtown. And my only furniture was an air mattress. And I guess when you're 22, that's, that's okay. And those are the sacrifices you're willing to make. And, uh, I know that we got, we never had to lay anybody off. We got everybody paid, but it took an immense amount 
of creativity uh, when all of these things, the groundswell came together. Uh, listen, I've been there many, many times uh, during my life. Uh, 9-11, the impact of 9-11. So, so where, where all of this is coming from today is generally we talk about my study and research for the books, but I've got a lot to offer here too because I have been there many times in the past. Another general thought I want to share with you is uh, I was so disheartened and saddened this week. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but you know this is no time to lie to be able to hold on to business or sell business. And obviously, the wall of shame is going to have a plaque for Norwegian Cruise Lines this week. Uh, their top leadership sent their salespeople uh, a, a suggested list of one-liners to sell cruises. And here they are. Scientists and medical professionals have confirmed that the warm weather of the spring will be the end of the coronavirus. Or the coronavirus could only survive in cold temperatures. So the Caribbean, the Caribbean is a fantastic place to be, and that's where you should go for your next cruise. The only thing you need to worry about for your cruise is not coronavirus. It's whether you have enough sunscreen. And coronavirus cannot live in the amazingly warm and tropical temperatures that your cruise ship will be sailing to. Can you imagine this? I know you verified this. I, I did. I did. It's been. It's been. It's verified ten times up one side and down the other. So no, I cannot imagine that somebody in their right mind would put that out there. So don't lie. Don't lie. Uh, yeah. The next general observation before I get into my numbered points is: do not panic and abandon your purpose and values. Those are the very things that are going to help you survive. Talk about and be seen as living them even more frequently than you normally do. So do not panic and abandon your reason for being. And and the final general observation is don't go into denial. Dale, I am still hearing as recently as this morning from people who are saying this will – the man I talked to this morning is a big executive. He's not the CEO, but he's right near the top. And he told me, and he's responsible for the lives of tens of thousands of people. This is a huge company. He told me that this coronavirus thing will all be over in two or three weeks because that's how long they've closed the schools. We're in uncharted territory. I don't know how any of us, whether we're uh, leading a cruise line or, or any other big company, know what the timeline is on this. Nobody knows. And that's what I want to help you with right now. So I've got eight points I want to share with you uh, based on my study of the, of the greatest leaders in the world and my own experiences and having been there. Number one, uh, this is about the do not go into denial. Number one, you have to begin by doing a hard case examination of your cash, receivables, available cash from borrowing, and how much additional money the owners or shareholders are willing to put in on a three, six, and 12-month basis. Uh, Those may be the only resources many firms can uh, absolutely count on. Uh, but, but, But you can't kind of think you know, you have to have the exact numbers. What are my resources? Uh, What is the totality of everything that I have available? And then number two, you've got to conduct a hard case examination of projected revenue for the next three, six, and 12 months. And, uh, And I want to add an aside here. 17 years ago, 
Uh, I think I was one of the first business authors, if not the first, uh, to reveal the way that SaaS software, uh, the world's fourth biggest software company, sells its services. They're in the analytic, uh, analytics and software business. And uh, headed by Dr. Jim Goodnight, one of the most uh, astute and brilliant business people uh, I've ever had the honor and privilege of knowing. And he said very early on when they founded the company, he said uh, to himself, you know, we, we, we can't sell this once and then uh, hope – because if we sell it once and they own it, then we're starting over every single month and we'll be a sales organization, not a software and analytics company. And he said, no, it's only going to be sold by subscription. And, and he said that way, we go into a year knowing that 95 or 98% of our year is already in the bag. I mean, we're, we're not really a sales organization. So think about – so think not only about do, what Dr. Jim Goodnight did at SAS, but think of what other companies have done now. Salesforce, subscription organization, Netflix. How would you like to be have 169 million subscribers spending at least $10 a month with you? I mean, imagine that. So there are some companies, or Spotify, 120 million members paying 10 bucks a month. So there are some companies that have a, a, a subscription model to their services uh, or their goods or their products, and uh, they're largely, I think, going to remain unscathed. Uh, but this is a good time to conduct a hard case examination of projected, of projected revenue for the next three, six, and 12 months, and be hard when you're putting this together. Number three. And I have seen this work remarkably well. Do town halls with everyone and ask everybody for ideas on saving money and increasing revenues and foster a spirit of we're all in this together. Um, great ideas come from people. Remember, it was an intern at Starbucks who said, have we ever considered oatmeal? And look at what oatmeal has become. Uh, our estimate is somewhere between five and six hundred million dollars a year in sales, with most of it falling to the bottom line because of the marginal food cost. So you've got to do town halls and, and involve everybody, and you will be amazed at some of the ideas that your people come up with, including from sometimes the least likely sources. Number four, you need to develop a best case, likely case, and worst case plan and come up with dates for implementing. I mean, you have to have this plan. I am so proud of what Delta Airlines has done today. I mean, they have built a plan. They're going to mothball about 300 airplanes and reduce their schedule up to 40% because they know they have to be ready. Now, they're going to be able to undo that very quickly. I mean, if something beneficial or good happens, but I mean, they know that they have to remain in business and they just cannot allow themselves into a sense of complacency by saying, oh, this is just going to go away uh, because it's not going to go away and the hysteria is not going to go away and the changed consumer patterns are not going to go away way. So you have to develop a best case, likely case, and worst case plan, and then come up with dates for implementing. Number five, you have to consider now more than ever the importance of your people. During the huge Great Recession economic crisis of 2008-2009, and I have told you this story before. Uh, in fact, I wrote about it in one of my books. Mike Long, the chairman, CEO, and president of Aero Electronics, $32 billion company, sat down with his top 200 leaders from around the world. And he said, you know, most CEOs would be considering doing layoffs. And he said, I think layoffs are the most stupid thing we could do uh, because then when business comes roaring back, and we know it will at some point, then we're going to be in a conundrum because we're not going to have the key people. And we're going to have to start finding people all over again. And then he pitched the group on this. He said, if all 200 of this would give up like 25% of our income for the next year, 
that would be enough money. That would be enough money that we would not have to lay people off. And so this is where every business owner or manager is going to have to let their head meet their heart and say, what are they willing to give up? What are they willing to sacrifice to consider the importance of their people? It's something that great companies do. Number six, you have to be completely transparent with everyone about the process. And you have to promise to continue to be transparent throughout the entire process. There's nothing worse for people than not knowing or being left in the dark. They'll feel ripped off. So you have to say, we are going to be completely transparent with everybody about the process. We're going to be honest. We're going to be truthful. We're going to be revealing, and we're going to act in the best interests of everyone. Number seven, here's a hard one because I've been there, done that myself, and I've been alongside a lot of CEOs who have been there. You have to stay positive and do your worrying, and you will worry, and your wringing of your hands, and I promise you there will be some wringing of your hands, but you got to stay positive uh, and only share the negative stuff and the worries with others who are going through the same thing. You don't, you don't want to let your people peek behind the curtain and see your fears. They're looking to you to be strong. And of course, you're going to worry. Of course, you're going to whine. Of course, you're going to whinge. It's a human condition. Uh, but do it with uh, others who are going through the same thing and others who may be able to give you some advice on, on, on how they're dealing with it and getting through it. But, but stay positive. Uh, I remember you're probably – well, you're not that far behind me, but I mean you're, you're probably too young to remember this – I remember the United States was uh, facing a huge problem with inflation. I think I don't know if it went to fourteen percent or fifteen percent. Uh, they were talking then about uh, uh, you know shutting the country down, and everybody was in a panic. And people were their mortgage if they had adjustable rate mortgages. I mean they were just going sky high. And uh, Jimmy Carter addressed the people, and he said, "Now I'm 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 going to go off to Camp David." I'm, I'm very worried about this thing, and I'm going to go off to Camp David and uh, think about it over the weekend. Well, y- you know, it scared the heck out of people. Now, I happen to like Jimmy Carter and respect him very, very much, and uh, I think he was a very honorable uh, and accomplished president. But, you know, if you're going to go off to Camp David to think about things by yourself and worry by yourself, that's fine. But don't tell everybody because it's just going to get more and more. Everybody else is going to get more and more worried. And then finally, the other thing that I would share is this. This is the time. This is the time to watch out for and be nice to others and help where you're able. Um, After 9-11, as someone who was then and, and until right now has been traveling almost every week of my life, there was a period for about three or four months after 9-11 where people became genuinely nice to everybody and helpful to everybody. And uh, nobody was nasty standing in lines and everybody was nice in airports and, uh, and everything was just nice. And uh, this is really the time uh, to watch out for and be nice to others because uh, others might be suffering a lot more than you. Uh, in, in our case, um, all of my April 2020 speeches have been postponed. They've not been canceled. 
They've all been postponed. So I'll be uh, working feverishly on, on the new book I'm working on. But additionally, we're, we're going to do something else. We made a conscious decision to adopt a few seniors from the neighborhood uh, because they are the most vulnerable among us. And they should not be leaving their homes for food and medical runs and pills and, and prescriptions and things. And so uh, we're adopting a few seniors and uh, we're going to be doing those things for them. And then, of course, we're going to donate uh, where it makes sense and where the dollars can best be used. So I, I think it's about taking the steps I talked about and then remembering uh, and really practicing that we're all in this together. Mm. So let's go back to points six and seven and clear up any conflict or contradiction there because we talk about transparency Uh and then be careful where you're wringing your hands in front of others. Right. Yeah, I I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. I mean, by being completely transparent, it's about being honest about the process, uh, honest uh, about what you're going to be doing with the process, honest about the decisions you're going to be be making. Uh, I think that's what transparency is. I don't think that transparency negative uh, also includes sitting, you know, I didn't sleep last night. I'm so worried. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm not sure we're going to make it through this. I, I, I don't, unless, unless you're not going to make it through this. And there are some businesses that will not. Uh, I talked to uh, my next door neighbors who uh, were planning on going to the theater the other night and uh, uh, they got a text right before the theater that uh, all the, all the shows were closed in San Francisco. So they went out to dinner at a small restaurant and they said it was delightfully nice. And, uh, but the, uh, the waitress who was taking care of them um, had only been able to garner two shifts uh, this week and uh, had only had two customers for the night and she's a single mother of three. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty tough. So some companies probably, some businesses probably won't make it. Exactly. Yeah, I think what I just heard you say, there's a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Transparency from point number six, vulnerability with point number seven, and you're not vulnerable with everybody. We're always, we always have to be careful with whom we're vulnerable. Of course we do. Of, of course we do. We have to be selectively. And uh, you know, I, I would have no problem uh, saying to anybody, look, I'm worried. We're in uncharted waters. We don't know everything that's going to happen. Uh, that That's fine. I, I think that's part of transparency uh, be, because you wouldn't be human if you didn't feel that way. But I'm talking about the whining and the whinging and the wringing of hands. Uh, uh, or I'm also talking about uh, the denial of, of saying this is not real and this is going to go away. Absolutely. So I, I love the way you start this out uh, because this this comes from my Better Business Bureau world. Do the right thing. Don't let panic drive you into bad decisions that you'll regret later. So that's that was the foundation that you started us off with. And I'll go through these eight Please. points quickly. So number one, you're going to examine your cash, your receivables, and your available cash from a borrowing standpoint uh, for a three, six, and 12-month basis. You'll conduct uh, an examination of projected revenue for three, six, and 12 months. Look at different options. Think about the subscription model. Number three, do town halls. Get a level of ownership from your team. Ask, how can we save money? How can we increase revenue? And get buy-in and a we're in this together mindset. And before before you continue, before you continue with the next point, and you're going to be amazed at who comes up with what. 
And, oh. and, and let me tell you this quickly, the story of how this came alive for me. I was in New Zealand conducting a leadership retreat. And as I recall, there were about 100 and 120, 140 leaders. And for one event, one afternoon after my teaching that morning, they brought in an outside team building company. And uh, everybody was put on a team of about six or seven people, as I recall, and they were given a big black garbage bag and there were pieces of wood and sticks and rope and balls and some uh, masking tape or duct tape and a whole, whole just a conglomeration of, of, of stuff and garbage. And, uh, and the job was to build who could build the tallest structure. And which group could build the tallest structure? And as I recall, they had an hour to build the tallest structure that had to be able to stand on its own. And on one team, there was a woman who worked, a young woman who worked, and I don't even know how she was in the event, uh, but she did not occupy an executive position. She basically occupied a secretarial uh, position, so she might have been the executive assistant to somebody. And I got to tell you something, also on that team was the CEO and a couple of hard-charging executives. And without her... I mean, they wouldn't have built a structure that got off the ground. And I remember thinking to myself, we just never know where the great suggestions and the great insights are going to come from. Sometimes we think it's got to be from somebody at the top, and that's seldom the case. Continue with your list. I'm sorry. Yes. So number four. Yeah. Develop a best case, a likely case, and worst case scenarios, plans, and come up with dates for implementing those uh, and triggers, I would say. Consider the importance of your people. Number five, uh, be thinking about those people. Layoffs really should not be an option. Number six, be completely transparent about the process and promise to continue to be transparent through that process. Stay positive. Um, be careful with whom you are being vulnerable through this. Watch out for and be nice to others. Help while you are able. As I like to say, uh, the smoke from burning bridges can be seen for miles and miles and miles. So, yep. uh, any final words for us? Uh, yeah. I do, as a matter of fact, and they're about the whole issue of transparency. And these words are attributed to the Dalai Lama, uh, who says, a lack of transparency results in distrust and a deep sense of insecurity. And guess what? Everybody, you, me, all of us, are facing a lot of insecurity right now. So it's the job of the leader to minimize that sense of insecurity. A lack of transparency results in distrust and a deep sense of insecurity. It's an opportunity to build security and confidence in your people as a leader. So great way for us to conclude this edition. Thank you so much, Jason. Jason Jennings is the author who USA Today is called one of the three most in-demand business speakers in the world. Learn how your group or company can have Jason keynote your next event. Visit that website, jason-jennings.com. This is the Game Changers, the podcast dedicated to leading highly principled people to their full potential. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Game Changers, leadership lessons in speed, productivity, growth, innovation, and reinvention with business thought leader, best-selling author, and keynote speaker, Jason Jennings. Read Jason's most recent New York Times bestseller, The Reinventors, and visit his website at jason-jennings.com.